that is a fall of 20% in open interest. One fifth of all contracts closed in the last week. Well, hello there, my friends. Rafi here from The Endgame Investor with this week's Silver Report for Arcadia Economics. It's been another week of lackluster and frustrating price movement on the silver price. Well, price movement on a price. That's kind of redundant. But anyway, yeah, it hasn't been so great and we're getting frustrated and all this other stuff, but there's a lot, there's a lot going on beneath the surface. And I'm going to show you what it is. This week, I wanted to focus on the extreme movements in open interest. It has collapsed by about 20% in a week. That means the amount of contracts open on silver futures is down 20% in one week. I don't know if this has ever happened before since the 1980 short squeeze. We'll take a look on a long-term chart, but I'm not going to be able to scrutinize it and see every daily movement, but it's a pretty big move down in open interest, which means that the longs are giving up, the shorts are covering, and the longs are not rolling over. They are bowing out of the market again. And we are at very near 10-year lows in open interest in silver futures. It doesn't mean that a bottom is in right now, but it means that a trend change is most likely imminent. And we've been hearing from Andy Schechtman at Miles Franklin that silver premiums are down. They are, but still they're at near historic highs I'll show you that chart just to give you a perspective on what it means that a premiums are low. And I don't see premiums as a premium for physical. I see it as a discount on futures. So the higher the premium is, the less serious people are taking the futures market. And the higher the premium, the more disconnected the paper markets are from the physical markets. And what we want them is to be completely disconnected so that we can return to real money and collapse the entire system of corruption. In other news, we are in our seventh consecutive month of deflation. And... The Strategic Petroleum Reserve is down below 350 million barrels to August 1983 levels. That's before I was born. Further reverse repos, that money locked up at the Fed that couldn't make it into the bank system because the printing of 2020 was so extreme. That is starting to trickle out and go back into the economy, and it is compensating for a lot of the Treasury issuance that has been going on since June 1st. So the money supply may stabilize from here. We'll have to see. New money supply numbers are out, and it shows that it, the money supply has grown a little bit for the month of May, but we still don't know what June is because we're on a month delay and June is the month that the Treasury really started sucking money out of deposits and the reverse repos at the same time in issuing its many trillions of dollars worth of Treasury bill auctions. So let's get to it. This week's Silver Report is brought to you by Fortuna Silver Mines, symbol FSM. We have what looks like a potentially textbook head and shoulders bottom here. Uh, you have sh one shoulder here uh, at the end of 2021 and 2022, and you have another shoulder here since the beginning of 2023 with the support zone at the bottom of both of these shoulders with the head bottom down here in September of 2022. This looks like a textbook head and shoulders bottom to me. Doesn't mean that all textbook head and shoulders bottoms turn out that way. No, it doesn't. But this is a very common and very followed and very logical technical pattern that suggests that the bottom is in for the silver market and the silver mining stocks, including Fortuna Silver Mines. So if you're looking for a place to get in, this is probably a low risk, high reward area. But of course, do your own due diligence, as they say. Does anybody use the word due diligence in any other context besides buying stocks? I don't know. I've never used it in any other context. It's like a, it's like a mantra. 
Moving on to the monetary situation, as we see the Treasury soak up hundreds of billions of dollars, where is it coming from? Well, the update for this week is that since June 2nd, when the Treasury's account at the Fed bottomed out at about $23 billion, it is now up to $438 billion, or real, more precisely, $437 billion, $999 million. They're missing a million dollars or a million short, and it's a, it's a tragedy. But anyway, so... Since then, since June 2nd, June, um, actually May 31st, when the auction started, reverse repos are now down $310 billion, and the Treasury account is up $415 billion, so that's a difference of $105 billion, which the difference should come out from the deposits at the big banks. We will see uh, if this is happening and if the money supply is draining still uh, by the end of July when those numbers come out, but uh, right now the money supply is pretty even, and it looks like it is leveling out mostly due to these reverse repos coming back into the banking system because of the high interest rates that are coaxing them out. If we look at the uh, chart of the money supply growth going back to 1960, this is not exactly the measurement that I use at the Endgame Investor, but it's pretty close. Uh, you see here, we're still in extreme deflation. This is below zero. So anything below zero is absolute deflation annually. Uh, and we've been there since, uh, what is it, April 2022 or something like that? Uh, something in 2022, seven months. Well, if it's seven months, uh, December 2022 by these numbers. Uh, so yeah, we've never been in that before. And we look, if you look here, you kind of like zoom in, you can see a little bit of a bump up for the first time since whenever this was. Uh, and it, it's not really that significant yet, but it might become that way. We'll see what happens with the money supply um, as we go forward. Doesn't look good though. A quick word on the SPR, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Don't forget that we are uh, very near all-time lows. We're at lows that we haven't seen since August 1983 at 348,617,000 barrels, 617, barrels. Um, if the SPR is going to be refilled as oil is headed higher, it's going to supercharge an oil rally, uh, which is probably going to happen after the next financial crisis, whenever that's going to be. We all know it's coming. We just don't know when. And yeah, it gets really annoying. But that's the way of the monetary system. Now, to the open interest. To the Beemobile. You mean your Chevy? Yes. To the open interest situation here. There's a lot to talk about here. So we have here from Gold Charts Are Us. Um, see here this huge drop. From here, uh, uh, yesterday, or two days ago, rather, it was about 133,000, 134,000, and it dropped down to 123,491. I think it was a drop of 10,419 or 519 contracts. That is a, an enormous, enormous drop, and it is a drop that is con continuing uh, for the last few days. If we go uh, over, well, first of all, um, we're now at 119,000. This is a day behind 119,000 where we are now. Um, and that is just around the lows here from March 2022. And we could get below those lows, which would be a very good sign. It would be uh, it would mean added fuel for the next rally. But here, if we move to uh, a view of the last week, right? We have here the June 22nd numbers. This is, this is from the COMEX statistics. Um, screenshots taken from June 22nd at the close was uh, on June 22nd, 145,000 plus 3,362 contracts because you add that to the, the total and then you get the total open for that for that day on June 22nd. It was like 148,416 or something like that. Anyway, if you take that number, 148,400 something, 
And where we are now is 119,525 contracts. That is a fall of 20% in open interest. One fifth of all contracts closed in the last week. Okay, this is extreme. And you can see here what is uh, what is happening. The active contract is uh, is falling off uh, open interest. Uh, and that makes sense because this is going to delivery um, by the time you're watching this, it should be in delivery. And we have 7, 000, about 7,800 contracts open. Uh, I'd say about half of these are going to close by the end of the day today, and we should be delivering maybe between three and four thousand contracts, which is still a significant number. Anyway, this is this is big, twenty percent in a week. Um, we're we're ready for a trend change here. For a trend change here, up to silver premiums. Yes, they have been falling, but not really that significantly. Um, you see here, we're at thirty point one percent on junk silver. Um, and we've never really been higher than that for a substantial period of time, only during um, extreme crises like 2008 and the 2020 crisis, and here for a brief period during a silver shortage um, during the latter phases of, of silver squeeze, which I think we're still in, because if we weren't, then these numbers would be going down to here, to this uh, range here around 10%, where they normally are when there's no crisis or when there's no consciousness of the need to collect and stack silver coins. There still is. There's two more stories I wanted to go in today. One is the Fed stress tests, which are very serious this time. We'll go into it for about, you know, 10 seconds because <laughs> they're really stupid. Where they say that banks could lose $541 billion if the severely adverse scenario they predict comes to fruition. What does that mean? Pretty much nothing because the Fed is just a PR firm that never tests for the things that actually make most sense to test for. And the FT puts this at the very end of the article, basically making fun of the Fed in very diplomatic financial MSM language. Let's take a look. We have here a nice little uh, headline. Big US banks would lose $541 billion in doomsday scenario predicts Fed. Oh my gosh, $541 billion. Where is it gonna go? What's gonna happen to it? Well, it's just gonna go out of existence into money heaven as defaults on debt and mortgage-backed securities and commercial mortgage-backed securities uh, pile up. Uh, but are we supposed to take this seriously? Well, the author of this article, who is uh, Josh Franklin and Steve Gandel and Colby Smith. Wow, a lot of people read it. These are like, you know, that's a good trio. Franklin, Gandel, and Smith. It sounds like a, like a law firm. Anyway, the first paragraph here will read, the largest U.S. banks would lose $541 billion in hypothetical doomsday, doomsday, doomsday economic scenario, but still have more than enough capital to absorb the losses. According to annual stress tests conducted by the Federal Reserve, you hear that? A doomsday means they'll have more than enough to absorb the losses, and there is no doomsday. Everything's fine. Everybody relax. Relax. But what is this article? What do, what do, um, what are their names? Franklin, Gandel, and Smith say at the, at the end of this Lovely piece by the Financial Times. Well, we have here the final two paragraphs. Under the current rules, which were imposed in 2019 following legislation that loosened regulations on mid-sized lenders, Silicon Valley Bank's first official stress test would not have taken place until 2024. Well, isn't that like really tight regulations? However, says these uh, people who were the three Franklin something and something. Oh, and there's another one. Additional reporting by James Polite. Politi, politi, whatever. However, final paragraph here, even if SVB had been subject to Fed stress tests, it might have passed because the scenario did not model the kind of sharply higher interest rates that sparked the lender's 
downfall. You got that? SVB would have passed stress tests of a severely adverse scenario because those severely adverse scenario never tested for higher interest rates, even when the Federal Reserve was doing nothing but raising interest rates. They didn't even test for it. So what does it mean that $541 billion could be lost in a severely adverse scenario? Nothing! Absolutely nothing! Absolutely nothing! Which is what you are about to become. That's right. Absolutely nothing. Stupid! You're so stupid! But there's one more story I wanted to follow. Remember Nickel Armageddon from March 2022, when the entire futures market on the LME was about to collapse and spread in some kind of global contagion to all futures markets across the globe, and we were within like a few hours of the entire paper market collapsing? Yeah, I remember that. Well, we have a verdict coming on that case in about three weeks. Here's from Reuters. Analysis. Nerves on edge. As exchanges, funds await ruling in LME Nickel Case by Eric Onstad in Pratima Desai. That's nice. Only two people on this one. We have the bullet points here. If the LME loses, right, they're being sued by people, by, by hedge funds uh, for reversing their trades by force so they could stay in business. You know, that's kind of that's kind of illegal uh, on contract law. No, I'm not a lawyer. I'm just saying it seems illegal to me. Do your own due diligence. Ah, see, I used it not in the context of stock trading. Anyway, if the LME loses, there will be shockwaves source. Even if the LME wins, its reputation has been dented. Experts. LME win could erode trust in London's financial markets. Experts. Or is that negative experts? I mean, there's a negative sign here. Oh, yeah. I think negative experts are better than experts. The experts have been wrong about everything in the past, I don't know, 50 years. Exchanges, says the first paragraph, are in an uncomfortable wait for the outcome of a lawsuit by two financial firms against the London Metal Exchange for voiding nickel contracts, worried about possible curbs on their ability to react in crisis situations if the LME loses. Whichever side wins, in the case that wrapped up three days of hearings on Thursday, in the wake of a chaotic spike in nickel prices in March last year, the stakes are huge for London's status as a major global financial center. If the LME wins the argument, there's potential for angry investors to move their business elsewhere, less convinced by London markets and their governments. A decision isn't expected for at least a month after a judgment was reversed on Thursday. If the hedge funds that are suing the LME win... That means the LME is not going to be able to pull this crap again. And once there is another crisis, they will fall. And there will be. And if the LME loses, or did I say they win? Yeah, if they if they lose, that's what's going to happen. If they win, then traders are not going to want to trade with the LME because they know that it's all rigged. And if the exchange needs a bailout, they're going to get bailed out with their own money, the, the depositor's money, the futures trader's money, and it's not going to be fair. So uh, either way, the LME is screwed. And eventually this entire paper complex is going to collapse when money returns to gold and silver directly. Um, it's all falling. It's all going to fall. And who knows? Maybe the court will rule something fair for once. I doubt it, but it's worth following anyway. This is Rafi of the Endgame Investor with this week's Silver Report for Arcadia Economics. If you enjoyed this Silver Report, then sign up for a two-week free trial of the Endgame Investor. Link in the description below and support Arcadia Economics, Chris Marcus, and Yara and all the staff at the same time. Or you can become my patron on Patreon where you'll get a more biblical view of what's going on in the monetary world. Isn't that fun? I think so. I'll see you guys next week.